Welcome home, family. You are tuned in to the podcast, a place where we elevate male educators of color and the things that matter to them. We discuss the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. These conversations took place during the summer of 2021 and they were virtual for obvious reasons. And we are new at this podcasting thing. So you'll hear our children in the background. You'll hear our mics drop in a little bit. You'll notice that we use acronyms that you might not know. We'll push each other's buttons because those are the things that we do every time we get together. And we wanted you to have an authentic experience. We're gonna drop you right into the middle of the conversation as the, the fellas say their names, where they work. I was Payne, assistant principal at Florida Singer Elementary in uh, Wheaton, Maryland. Kenny Smith, um, high school teacher, social studies, and I teach at some school district somewhere on the East Coast. Thomas Ryan, assistant principal, New Hampshire State Elementary School, Silver Spring. Desmond McCall, assistant principal, uh, Brookhaven Elementary School in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, yeah, I'm Doug. I'm a resource counselor at Quince Orchard High School. Desmond Williams. I am a uh, former teacher and principal, now turned uh, ed consultant. Hello, I'm Matthew um, Vaughn Smith, and I am the assistant principal at Sherwood Elementary School. Mm-hmm. This is my daughter, Aziza. Hello, Aziza. Hi. Now I'm Damon Harris, principal of Wheaton Woods Elementary School in Rockville, Maryland. All right, so Ken, what were you going to say, man? Yeah, so, you know, I've been teaching about race for years. I teach sociology, you know, both as an adjunct at Prince George's Community College and uh, sociology in high school. And it just, you know, and studied in graduate school. And I always felt that there was, I was missing something. Um, when I would have these conversations on race, you know, the idea of race being a social construct, um, old news, blah, blah, blah. And... I, I never came across anyone talking about this as a caste system, what we have here in the States. And it wasn't until, I, I've been hearing about this book for, I guess a couple of years, whenever it first came out when she was doing her circuits, you know, talking on different shows and podcasts. And I even posted something in the Slack. Uh, she was on a podcast, um, like a 15 minute conversation, which I thought was really good. And I've always wanted to read the book. And so I think I read the, I'm not sure where I am because I'm also listening to it. So I'm not, I kind of get it confused where I'm listening and, and what I've read so far. But you mentioned something about the metaphors and I love the metaphors she used. And she uses several because one metaphor doesn't capture, you know, the complexity and the depth of what the caste system is. And so the metaphors that I can remember, of course, you know, the cast on an arm, cast members in a play, the skeletal system, and also the structure of a house, right? And the two that really resonated with me, because keep in mind, as I'm reading this, I'm always thinking about how do I teach this to high school students, right? In a way that's accessible to them, that they can digest without it being too complex. And so these metaphors, I think, really hit home. And for me, I love the metaphor of the cast being like the skeletal system, and race being the skin, right? Um, and I also like the metaphor of um, cast members in a play, kind of knowing your role 
knowing where you fit in without anybody actually telling you this. And she uses a lot of examples to reinforce, to reinforce that. And so those are really two, meta, those are two metaphors that stuck with me, that resonated with me. And I kind of work with that um, and trying to figure out how to make this you know, accessible to, to students and, and to other folks who don't read. Because um, this, this is complex information. But also last thing I'll say, then I, and somebody else can jump in. I think focusing on cast, and I was just reading that part, it forces you to think structurally and not on that interpersonal and individual level because that allows folks to be left off, to let others off the hook, including themselves. So when you focus on cast and you think about this in terms of those rigid structures within place, it really focuses on systemic issues, right? Because cast is structure and structure within our system while abstract. I think it hits home, but it takes a bit more effort for us to think structurally and then to get others to think about this structurally. But I, I love those metaphors and um, those two really resonate with me. Yeah, I, I agree. I looked at the, the bigger comparison, you know, quote unquote, a metaphor with, with Germany and, and that, that whole idea of the superficialness of creating this, creating a system like this. And so she like talks about the seriousness of a, of a Germany comparison, but also the silliness of the height comparison. You know, the tall people have to serve the, the lower people or the shorter people. And, you know, we're doing this book club with, with kids for stamp. And a common thing that they always ask about is, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what skin color you are. And that's what they're saying. Like, it, I don't understand why it even matters. And I think this book does a great job of saying it doesn't matter, but here's what was created so that it, so that it does matter. And, you know, that connection for me really, really hit home. Yeah, speaking of the Germany thing, so that, uh, you know, I, you know, some of y'all know when I had time, I, to use, I used to read a lot about military history, especially World War II, right? So, you know, I, I knew about the idea of like, you know, when the Third Reich was sitting there constructing their policies, they, they looked to the United States. But reading this and how deep they went, and like they, they went to, they examined our individual laws. I mean, here right. on page 85, like the bottom of the, the last sentence of the third paragraph, they're talking about this one guy who was part of um, that, uh, of, of that, he was one of the architects. And he, said, he said, the Americans had come up with a definition of race apart from logic or science an approach he called the political construction of race. And they marveled at how they're able to designate labels based on this social construct to, to different people, whether they're black, Latino, yellow, whatever they were calling them. And how they're able to, uh, one guy said, keep an air of, of uh, where's, oh, a knack of maintaining an air of robust innocence in the wake of mass death. And then she started talking about when they were talking about uh, the lynchings and how they were sending picture postcards of it and they took the kids there like you take your kids to the beach we'll go take see this guy get hanged and they would take pictures of it and mail it out and we're going to do that and so then i'm sitting there thinking like so then you got people sitting there talking about well america's wasn't built on a racist country but then it's like hey kenny's talking about people who don't read just you know he, one of the worst mass architects of mass death aside from stalin in the 20th century was the third right. They killed 12 million people in 12 years, right? And they based a lot of it off the American 
sociological and legislative agenda. They, 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 took, it, they took the blueprint right from our country. Right. And some of that, they was in that zone like, yo, we can't even do that over here. Like what they right. doing in America, we can't even do that. Right. You know, we're getting and to a like, point where they're like, wait, they went that far? Right, right. Right. They're, they're, they were surprised. Even the one draft rule supposedly was too much for them. They're like, oh man, how are we going to be able to do that? You know, we're, we're just going to put them in ovens, but damn, you know, that's a lot that they're doing. So, you know, it, it really hit home like, man, you know, they, uh, they just basically lifted that blueprint and transferred it to, to a, a, a way to kill 12 million people, you know, mm -hmm. in, in 12 years. And then people say, well, you know, uh, the whole whitewashing of it. Well, you know, what Germany did, you know, after World War II, they, they didn't hide it, but they didn't have statues of, look, they had great generals, Guderian, Rommel, they were Manstein, great generals, but they study their tactics. But you don't see a shrine to Rommel. You don't see a shrine like Robert E. Lee here. So these are things that's like, it, it, makes, it, it makes people see it if, if they read it or understand it. Because like Kenny said, it's, it's really complex. How it really is, like this whole thing, that this whole, and then she was just comparing it with India, Right. And then and, and, and how how the Dalits, this probably didn't know how the Dalits were so in tune to what the civil rights over here were doing. When people when they came when like a, a section of people came over from the United States, they were singing the spirituals. They were singing the protest songs. They knew it. But people were yo, and, and when King went over there and they were like, yo, here's the king of the or here's the, the, the leader of the Dalits over here. The leader right. of the king was like, yo, wait, 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 what are you talking about? And right. then he went right on it and was like, oh man, I guess I am. Right. I guess we are. So it's just for me, it's been, you know, like, you know, yes, we've been re I've been reading about race and gender talking about this, but when you when you structure it in a caste system, it makes it like, oh yeah, we do it too. We mm -hmm. do the same damn thing, right? Mm -hmm. And our plans were used for some of the most murderous regimes in the 20th century. So that's been my overall thoughts so far. Yeah, for, for me, I'm I'm a little, uh, I'm not as far ahead as others, but um, in the first uh, part when we were talking about the metaphors, um, I know she um, she uses uh, the metaphor of, I believe it was um, a, a Siberian virus, I believe it is, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and how that kind of parallels with kind of what we experienced in 2017 up until now, and how um, it kind of, really, it just kind of um, just resonated with me around um, the whole um, that pervasive myth around the uh, belief that racism has been eradicated when in fact it was just dormant right and a lot of us I mean we've often said it in conversation um, you know uh, it's not necessarily that racism all of a sudden is now um, uh, all of a sudden just coming out of nowhere it's just it's, it's filmed it's being filmed we have we have other avenues now where we can elevate what's all what's already been there we just for whatever reasons seem to believe that that it didn't exist. So for me, that was um, particularly in that first part of the text, one of the things that um, just kind of resonated with me. It's kind of just like a, yeah, that's right kind of thing. Um, but the yeah. way I, I agree with, with Ken, the, the, way, the way that she utilizes her metaphors, it, it kind of just takes kind of the obvious almost, but just it, it gives it to you at almost a deeper level. Um, so that you begin to kind of want, you want to read more. So like right now I'm actually moving into the pieces that, uh, that uh, Thomas just talked about regarding um, the German and the Nazis and things like that. So that's kind of where I am now. But definitely the metaphors are definitely popping out and resonating with me. And does something you said, you know, when she used that metaphor um, of how it, it's been dormant for all this time. It hasn't Wait been for the dormant. right host. Wait it for the right host. Yeah, but it hasn't been dormant for us. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, 
Right. I can remember when Rodney King, you remember that video in, in, yep. in the early 90s? I remember yep. I was in college and I was sitting there thinking, it's about time somebody got this on tape, right? That was then. So it's, it's always been present and we've always been inhaling these spores and dying from it, but it's just becoming dormant to, I mean, uh, it's revealed to some. So it hasn't been dormant to us. Right, exactly. If you're, if you're conscious, you know, what did, uh, James Baldwin said, if, if you're a black man in America, you, you're always angry or something of that yep. nature. To be relatively conscious and uh, black in America, something. And yeah, black something. America is to be like in a state yeah. of like constant anger or something. Else, but yeah. yeah, it hasn't been dormant for us though. Yeah, right. Completely agree. Completely. But you know, but I think about it like, like when it may be dormant in terms of what folks, like the, the implications might not be. But I think about like how like the 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 cognizance might be, man, because I see I see us doing stuff, man, where uh, where our where folks who are black are putting themselves in the lower caste, right? We put ourselves in that space, and I don't know if we always think about it like as as it being the caste level. You know, we think. Back up a little bit, man. What, what do you mean we put ourselves in that? So here's what I mean. So we got, we, we have, we as a black people, right? Like, so we black people often have a culture of which like we have a groups of us who decide, me included often, who decided to say, we're gonna say we are the counterculture. So like to be that, to be this, to be the be black means to do this. And so what I mean is to be a black teenager when I was coming up, it means you gotta you you should be listening to a certain music, using a certain type of language, right? Praising a certain type of behavior, worship worshiping a certain type of a certain type of um, role model. But and, and to me, when you say that when we place ourselves in that, I mean, I think that speaks to that metaphor that resonates with me about us playing the cat, the roles within, right? And so. By saying that we place ourselves in that, now, it sounds like the personal responsibility is ours and ours alone. And I'm not absolving, um, you know, the certain roles that we play. But I think that's what she's speaking to when you talk about caste and structure, that we play these roles that have been normalized. And she says the power of a caste system is its invisibility. So when we play these yeah. roles of music. But that's what I'm saying. Like I I don't know, but I don't know if, like, I, I think about it as, I I imagine if, if, like, people were getting sick, right, and not realizing that it was COVID, right, and just saying, like, yo, there are people who are dying and people were getting sick, and they don't realize that it's COVID, but COVID was still there, right? So I, what I, so I understand, like, I, I, that's the way I take it when you say, like, yo, this wasn't dormant because the, because the implications were very present, right, and very real. But what I'm saying is like, I don't know if we see it, like we, we talking like police brutality, right? Or we're talking, like we think about this as in like strands of just public policy, right? And, and you know, maybe no, no personal responsibility. Or maybe I'm saying there's a balance of two, but I'm, what it, when I say, I don't think we're cognizant, the, the cats in DC that just shot up this little, the, the little girl, or the cats in Chicago that just shoot up, right? Because in the music that we listen to, right? That says, this is real, not, not like this is a badge of honor because I do this. I really do this. 
And the, the people, we praise these folks. We put them on these pedestals. And that, say, mm -hmm. No, go ahead, go ahead. And I'm, and I'm saying like, we, but what they are saying, un, uh, for me, unwittingly, perhaps, is we are the top part of the lower caste. We are the stronger part of the lowest caste. And we do these things so we can assert that. Because they don't sure ain't going to Northwest and doing that very often in DC, the wealthier area. They don't sure ain't crossing these, these lines. I was in San Francisco last week, man. And it was really, it was really telling. Like we in Knob Hill and um, the financial district where a hotel was, it, man, it was, I didn't see a bunch of black folks. You go five blocks over into Tenderloin, you could tell where, where we were. Now, some of that is public policy, right? They're redlining this stuff. But in terms of the behaviors that we treat, the way we treat each other. We're playing the role. Yeah. That's but I'm saying, like, folks, I don't think they see it. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think they see it. Like, she's saying that, and like you just said, right? She, they use that, the play metaphor, the performance metaphor. She's saying, yo, it's like that caste system is like an usher in that dark theater, right? Like, it, and just quietly walking you to your seat. And this is where you belong. This is your place. And I'm saying we still, we, we act on those things, I think unwillingly. Now, this is what I think the book did for me was to say like, yo, I didn't even think about it like that. Like we are behaving like we're in the lowest caste. Like when I think about how, and I'm gonna shut up after this one, at least for a second. But when I think about the conversations we keep having in all these metros, we gotta stop gun violence. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. When are, when are we gonna raise up? Yo. The conversation needs to be, or maybe, right, could be around, yo, we got to stop acting like the lower caste. Because we not. We got to stop taking this role. And we got to take, we got to take these other roles. Anybody else want to step in before? I don't want Damon out to monopolize this conversation. Oh, uh, my, my whole, when she, when she mentioned the part about um, Italians or Jewish people could come over to America and just slide right in, right? They could slide right in and be white. It just had me thinking, we're all playing this game, like you said. And, you know, as I'm sitting over here, sectioning classes for the next school year, it's being sectioned based on race. But is that really accurate? Is really me looking at these kids that say black, but some of them have names that are obviously from an African heritage. Some have names that are have been Americanized and, and you know, we quote unquote call them, you know, black or or that kind of culture type of name. All we see is white. But those white people have their Italian backgrounds, have their Jewish backgrounds, have they're different backgrounds that obviously come with different types of personalities and characteristics. And so like, for me, just looking at that, reading this book and going back and looking at that, it made me just want to delete the whole column. And so there's, there's really no point in categorizing in this way because it's not an accurate categorization. You're not looking at truly what, like for them to say that you're putting two African-American kids in the class, Clearly, when you look at these two students, what connection do they really have besides what you would imagine the color of their skin? One comes mm -hmm. from a heavy African background, second generation, 
and you have a kid who doesn't even know their background because they're the product of slaves and, and the whole system of slavery. And so like, I just look at that and after reading this book, it just made me question that whole system. And the fact that we're also playing this game because we still use that as the quote unquote way that we have to organize our classes. I, I had a few ideas I wanted to insert into the space. Yeah, man. Um, what, what Travis was mentioning, and I think that, I think when she was talking about how caste is like the, the, the structure and how race is the skin, um, it really speaks to that because you, it's funny you brought up the, the, the examples of the Italians. At one point, they would have been considered Black because they were considered of the lower caste. Yep. And so now they're not. Now they're you know a part of the dominant culture. They were accepted into whiteness. And so um, I, I, I'm, it, it reminds me of what's going on currently with uh, Asian Americans. And so how, you know, there's an outcry and rightly so of how they're being treated and the hate crimes that are being done against their communities. And it's just interesting how we as a people have been going through this for 400 plus years and they have infomercials, they have money, they have uh, a whole legislative system backing them because of the hate crimes that are going on. And it seems as though they're being casted differently than we are. And so um, it's, it's, it's that structure, it's that, that whole idea. And so I wanted to speak to uh, um, that previous thought about um, us not realizing, um, I do think that it is dormant for, for some of our people. Like we, we, we don't see it because we've just been typecasted. We've just been put in this role and we really don't know because that's all we've known, right? And so, um, you know, I talked to my, you know, I talked to people in generation before me, they, they don't know what redlining is. Like, and, and you know, and they, and they marched, you know, they, they, they were out there in those streets. But you talk about redlining and you talk about things like that and they're like, whoa, dude. Like, and so it's just one of those things where um, I think even us as black people are in, are swimming in fish and we're, we're fish in water and we're just swimming and we're taking in what, what we've been dealt. Um, I, I don't, and I thought you were going that way, Damon, and I was, I was cautious because I, I, I want to be clear, I'm not preaching respectability politics. I, I, I don't I don't think even even with my pedigrees and your pedigree and you know and not running the streets, we're still casted, <laughs> you know, in, 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 in that lower role. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm a black man. You know, you can strip, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, when I'm out on the streets and I get pulled over, I'm not the AP at Sherwood Elementary School. I'm a black man. So I, I, um, I, I just want to be careful that we don't uh, say that we are putting, or any of our people are putting themselves in that cast or kind of just taking on the role um, because the systems were set up against them anyway. 
what about the concept of like some like some group knows that this chemical warfare right is being or this bacterial warfare is biological warfare is being waged um in terms of that dormant piece or not being dormant like you were saying yeah, but then so, the, the groups that it's being used against might not recognize it. Right, and when Matthew said that, it, uh, a light, uh, something just clicked, and this idea of us not realizing that we're playing these roles, or we do, it, it's contextual, right? So, for example, and like I play these roles, I play, I've been playing the role as well. And, and one thing I say is, is the more I read this book and I think about the role that I've been playing, it's infuriating, right, to yeah. know that I brought into many of these roles. But to go back with Matthew said, I wanted to comment on this. Um, I, I want to backtrack a little bit and say that it's contextual, right? So if we're pulled over by the police or we're dealing with law enforcement, I think for the most part, being a man of color in this country, black or Latino, you know what that means when we're pulled over, right? We're hyper aware of that. But then when we're listening to, you know, aggressive, whether it's aggressive music, whether um, you know, you ask one of us, our boys in, in high school, what do you want to do when you get older? I want to play basketball. Or I want to rap. You know, we're playing. They don't think of themselves as playing a role. Right. You know, so depending on the context, um, sometimes we're aware of it. Other times we are not. But when you become enlightened and you realize that you're being ushered to a particular seat, you know, to sit down, it's infuriating. Right, because you see it playing out. And last thing I'll say about this, because you know, we're doing our internship with these MSP students, and we have 26 students. We have a student representative from every high school in the county, first time ever. And listening to their stories, we have them develop this, this thing that we call story of self, where they have to, you know, we're teaching them about the different levels of racism, right? From structural down to internalized. And when they tell their story of self, they have to be able to connect big data, you know with that street data, where do they fit in to personalize their stories to folks out there when we're trying to convey our message about racism, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, as they're telling the stories and the pain, we had this extremely emotional session last Thursday that took me a damn day to recover because they got so emotional telling their stories. I mean, they're in there crying, they're hugging, breaking all kinds of, we're being recorded, breaking all kinds of COVID protocol anyway, right? But they were so emotional, number one, because they haven't been in contact with people for so long, right? Number two, they were speaking to the roles that they've been playing. And now they're becoming aware of these roles. They don't know how to handle it emotionally. And it's just so powerful to see how insidious um, we've all been led to play, play our parts. Yeah. And, and, and it's disturbing and it's painful. Yeah. You know, and you look at the antibodies, man, like that, that develop in our system. So let's say the counter to what I was saying earlier about how like a lot, a lot of us, myself included, we buy into the caste system in, in some of the ways that we, we, we behave. Right. But when we also have folks who say, Hey, we are not going to buy into this caste system. We're going to do, we're going to become black wall street. Right. We're going to become Rosewood. Right. I, and or we're gonna we're gonna start um, voting like during Reconstruction, and then the, the antibodies of the this organism that is our our country attack that, right? And and put folks in their place. And even like Matthew said, you know, this whole idea with with, with respectability politics, 
you know, when we see these folks in Black Lives Matter movement, when they're acting out, sometimes I'm looking at them on the news like, damn, just act right. You know, stop being so, but they're like saying the system, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to, and I just have so much more respect for them because they are not playing that role of respectability politics. And they're saying, we are going to be heard. We are going to be seen. And that's, I think that's necessary. They're being free. I think they're more free than many of us who are trapped inside this role, this box of playing respectability politics. Um, and I really, I, I appreciate their tactics or whatever you want to call them more so now than I ever have because they're defined those cast roles. What about the, the other side? The folks say, we shouldn't be having these conversations, right? Like the, the CR, the Critical Race Theory um, Board of Education op-ed writing folks, right? Like, what, what, are, what, are, what are we thinking about what um, Wilkerson says about that, about that crowd or about that sentiment? You know, I'll give an example where she, like one of the first metaphors that she uses, um, well, a couple of different ones, like talking about taking the vitals of history, right? On page 13, mm -hmm. where she talks about, hey, if you're looking back at your, at your body as a history for your health, and you got, if you know you got a history of alcoholism or mental health or breast cancer or something else in your family, you're not going to say, I don't want to talk about that, right? You're going to say, I want to go to the specialist. Right, I want somebody to tell me all about this. No, so what what are you thinking about what she says about about those about that sentiment about we should just ignore this? Uh, I think it. I think that's another powerful metaphor that she uses. Um, but but I, but I think when I have these conversations with people, uh, particularly about individuals who who are saying you know we shouldn't be talking about this, you know, CRT this, you know, and and the facts their facts are are misconstrued. Um, I think a lot of it is about um, one, um, particularly for those individuals who who may not um, who are who are pushing you know against CRT and other conversations about race. I think it's one ignorance, right? Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing, um, and then two, I think it's guilt um, be, because of the realities of of what our true history actually unearths about white people. And and I had a conversation with a, a white colleague who who I who I who's pretty we're pretty comfortable with each other and having real talk. And what I shared with her was um, she she made something to the she said something to the effect of you know well you know well many people believe you know they weren't there when you know our ancestors were whipped and killed and all these things. And so you know I said I, I get that I completely agree I wasn't there either, but I'm still dealing with the residuals of that which I was not a part of. And likewise, you now have a responsibility as my white counterpart to deal with the residuals of what your ancestors have now have done. And now we're having real conversations about it to really unearth it and get at the root of why we are where we are. That's your problem. That's not my problem. Like I'm not asking, I'm not asking you as a white woman to fight my to fight my fight per se or deal with, you know, I don't know, you know, the fact that, you know, my dad, my dad was a Vietnam vet and couldn't get a home when he got back. That's not your issue, but I have to, I have to learn how to navigate that. So now I'm asking you to do the same. So, you know, so it's kind of like, we, we've had some of those conversations, but I think a lot of it is just ignorance and, and, and just guilt. I was about to say, that's why I really like the house metaphor, because she says that inherited, but, you know, you can't, 
ignorance isn't an excuse, right? right? It's not an excuse for the upkeep. And I think those folk in the anti-CRT camp are used to putting buckets under the dripping ceiling. You know, they're used to slapping up plaster when there's a hole. Um, They're used to giving us Juneteenth holiday when there's so much more to be done. Um, And so for them, it's like we've made it thus far, right? The house is still standing. We're still making it through. Why are you trying to rock the boat? Um, And so, but I do like, I mean, if you have um, colleagues like the one that you mentioned, Desmond, I think that house metaphor would really like resonate with them because yeah, you didn't build this house, but you inherited it. And it's your now responsibility to keep it up and to do the fixing that needs to be done too. We were talking about this, um, you know, so ILT for us, like for me, it was, I don't know, I, I was hit really hard within ILT just because of like some of the conversations when I jumped, when I um, joined and all the stuff, the conversations you guys were having, like a lot of these terminologies, and this is stuff that I shared in ILT, a lot of these terminologies and all this stuff I never grew up with. I mean, in my household, you know, like I never knew what racism was until I went to, when I was like a senior or something like that in high school. And then when I went to college, like I never knew what racism was until then, because I never, I never hung out with other people like that, you know, and I, I went to a Baltimore city school, you know, and I went to like an all, you know, a, a, uh, an all black school. I was the, I was considered the white kid in these schools and all stuff, but I never, you know, like I felt some things like that, but nothing to, to the extreme like that, that we were learning in ILT and some of the words, like I was learning about, um, escape, no, I forgot the, forgot the name of the, forgot the word that they were, they were using and all this stuff, but you know, all the stuff that you guys are talking about, like I, th- I was telling people, like it's like for me and when I was talking to my counselors this, today was, you know, the power of, of, of what I learned and also, you know, as influencers, you know, the, the roles that we have and the roles that influencers have to, to sort of either, either go against or for whatever we're talking about, you know, um, and just learning, you know, all the stuff about racism and, and races and white supremacy culture and all that stuff. Like I'm sitting there going like, like, I mean, again, I, I'm still learning about it. But my role is to like learn more and trying to figure out like, you know, again, I've been swimming in this pool for so long that, you know, I've drowned, you know, I'm, I'm already like, I'm already like there and I'm sort of coming back to life in it to, to learn about the stuff that, you know, that what I thought was okay is not really okay, you know, and, and I've been so, I've been thrown so many times like the, oh, they're not, they're not doing that or you're taking it the wrong way or you're, you're taking that out of context or you're taking this and I'm looking at it going like, okay, I guess, I guess that's how it's supposed to be. You know, so I like all the stuff that we're, and even, even this book in general, like, I don't know, like you said, I, I was, I was pissed. I was pissed reading the first chapter. And that's just the thing that, you know, that, that I knew what's going on, but you know, yeah. Yeah. And she used John like the, the make, oh, go ahead, Thomas. Sorry, no, I was saying, so, so it's two prong, right? So you have the people, are you talking about the influencers, right, Doug? The people who have power, uh, the media pundits, the people who have a platform, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they they want to keep for 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 their for their cast where they are. They want to keep it going, right? And the people who are listening, it's subconscious. It's so it's so ingrained in 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 our in our structure, in our skeleton, in our joists, in our, in our in our mud sill, that people go along with. Because why would you want to have to peel back the curtain and go? Well, you know, I wasn't. You know, my ancestors. You know, I didn't buy any slaves, but. Oh wait, you know we took pictures and sold them as postcards. I mean, no, you know, do we have, do they want to go that deep with it? Do they want to go that deep? Like, okay, it really wasn't, um, you know, you know, 
you know, a happy slave family and the master. It was, this is what was happening. Or, you know, it's, uh, you know, our laws were the blueprints for, for, for the people who were fighting World War II. You know, do they want to go that far? So, you know, people don't, maybe don't want to sit there and have to uh, dig that up because then America is no longer the shining beacon on the hill, right? It's no longer that. It's no longer American exceptionalism anymore, right? And so, you know, people, people don't, don't want to have to talk about that. They just move forward, just like January 6th. Let's just keep moving forward and, uh, you know, hold hands about it and pray. But, but I think to speak to that, when you think about how America came to be, they didn't care about what the world thought of them. They cared, they cared about creating their own society, their own system. And that, that part is still true today. You know, like we're falling behind and all the numbers say that we're falling behind in every category or that things were unfair in every category, but it doesn't matter because they don't really care what the world thinks. You know, no one can touch us. We're across the sea still, no one can touch us. And, and I, I think about like, we can still be great, right? And, and still have problems, right? And still have things that we gotta work on, still have things we gotta do better. Like I, I talked to my daughter about this, some man like, yo, I ain't moving nowhere, right? Like, like I'm when I look around, I don't see no other place that I that that I'd rather be. Right. So like we can we can but we can still make this better. And that's okay. Like for us to, but we got to do it together. Like, yeah. you know, it's gonna take all of us, man. And the on page 44, she referenced talking about just how, like from the beginning, right, with, with the enslavement of folks, how it was an American innovation. Right. And it was created by the elites of the dominant caste. And she used that um, instead of race, right? Which is intentional on her part, like by using the dominant caste and the lower caste. And she's like, it's, it's, the, it's sort of encoded or, you know, by the elites in the law of the dominant caste, but it's enforced by the poorer members of the dominant caste. So when we think about these folks that are on January 6th, the insurrections, they got more in common with us, right? Than the, than the people they, they praise it, they worship it. Right. But because they think about that status of caste, it's over everything. So they're ready to give up democracy so that they can hold on to that status of caste. And, and with that, you also check out the book, The Some of Us. Um, and that's what that sister talks about in the Some of Us, mm -hmm. how white people will, um, she doesn't say cast per se, but you know, to cut your nose off, to spite your face kind of thing that they will, even though this inequality, racial inequality hurts them as well, they would still rather keep this intact, the structure intact, um, instead of giving up that. As long as there's somebody below them, right. they're cool with it even though it brings them down as well. Um, she she makes that case, McGee, she makes that case in her book as well. But, and like the, the cause her piece that what I got from it too, cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm almost, I'm almost through that book too. I'm on the last couple of chapters. But what, what she talks about is it ain't just the people in that dominant cast, right? Like it's, it's people in at every cast level who are doing that to get a little, to have a little bit more status. So it's it's like what I do, right? When when I you know whenever like I gotta have these Jordans. So as a teenager, for for me as a teenager, right? That's it's by any means necessary. 
Like I got to get my chain, you know, and my, my fly gear on by any means necessary. And because that, that affords me a different level of status in my cast. Although I ain't think about it like that at the time. No, like that's how I think about it now. After you know, reading through some of this. It really, the light, one of the light bulbs that went off was, this is why we can't get some people to, to connect with Bond. Because some groups are like, this isn't our problem, right? Like, so we don't need to be a part of what y'all do because we in a different space. And, and going on that, you know, like I, I'm coming into a new school after leaving a school that prided itself on trying to have these conversations as much as possible. And now coming to a school where, well, we're doing everything else. So like, we're going to put this on the back burner. And it's just, that's just, that's, that's the, that's the caste system in play, you know, in a way that you're not projecting it, but you're just kind of falling in the line because it's just another thing on this list of things. Mm -hmm. And before we get off, Dame, I just want to leave this thought. So she opens up the book with that dude in Nazi Germany in the crowd. Have y'all seen the picture? Yeah. All right. And my thing is, how do, how do we become that guy? You know, I, not become, I think we are that guy, right? With what we're doing, but how do we continue and bring other people on with us so that they're standing in the crowd also with their arms crossed while everybody else is, is, is doing the salute. Um, but it's a powerful picture. And I think she wrapped, and I looked at some of the discussion questions, you know, in different places about this book and all the, the discussion questions that I saw, they referenced that picture. You know, what does it take to be this guy? You know, what's, it's a pretty powerful picture. Um, and just knowing the consequences, which he knew at the time by not saluting, what that meant. Um, and he would be considered a disruptor, right? And I think that's what we have to do. And all of you, um, are in, you know, administration, you know, you have an effect on, on policy more so than I do. Um, so there's that level of, of, of accountability that we ought to hold each other to, you know, how are you disrupting the system? And Travis talked about, you know, them putting this on the back burner. How do we get this to be back on the front burner, on the front pages and make people uncomfortable? Man, I'm so tired of uh, making certain folks comfortable in my presence. But that's me playing in that role. I'm done talking, man, I'm done. <laughs> I think it's I was going to add that we just have to kind of like just to answer a little bit of what Kenny said is just you know we gotta we gotta model it you know we gotta show that we're, we're about this and continue doing the work that we do I mean Bond does Bond does a great job with that um but we still got work to do I mean we're I saw that message that you put out uh yesterday Damon about about that one Latino teacher I heard reading that you know and it's like you know it's things like we still got work to do you know I think, I mean, I always tell people, you know, you gotta, you gotta find your, your entry point. And for, for, for many of us, um, particularly for those of us who were, you know, in those leadership spaces, as Ken, Kenny was just talking about, um, just figuring out, you know, what that entry point might look like. Um, you know, at one school, they may be further ahead, others not so much, but uh, making sure that one of the things I'm learning, also being at a different school, um, Travis, is that I, I have to be me no matter what. So that every staff member, definitely the ones I've engaged with up until this point, they know that anti-racism is numero uno for me. Every conversation, like they, they know when I walk into a room 
that's just who I am. The same person I was at my old school is the same person I'm going to be here at this school. And so, and so I'm trying to find that entry point myself, man. Um, but, but making sure that they know that when I enter a space, like I'm not, I'm not going to shrink myself in terms of who I am and what I, what I expect of, of staff and of myself, even as, as an anti-racist educator, uh, I'm not going to shrink that. And so, so you just got to kind of find whatever that entry point is, man, and keep, keep doing you. Um, and that's not, not just for administrators, but anybody, you know what I mean? Just, just when you enter the space, this is just who I am. And, you know, we're we going to rock and roll with it, you know, um, and helping them either to, to get to where you are, or you help push them however you got to get there. Um, you either pulling them or you pushing them, but, but either way, just, just getting them there, man, is important. And like, I just want to close, man, like and just thinking about what she says about race, man, we're in race and, and caste is like race does the heavy lifting, right? For a caste system that demands uh, the, a means of human division. And so if, we, if we've been trained to see humans in the language of race, then caste is the underlying grammar that we encode as children. It's like learning our mother tongue. So we, all of us are seeking out this space because of the way this is, we're socialized to do it. So like Ken said, how do we be that disruptor, man? Be that Maybe I'll be proud, talking man. about that next, next week. You know, how are we that how are we that disruptor? What do we do? Nah, I appreciate I, it. It was a, the way she wrote it made it easy to kind of get through pretty relatively quickly. Um, so I like just kind of having a target point. That was good for me. All right, brothers, I appreciate right. you. Y'all yep, yep. be safe and take it easy till next week. All right, peace, y'all. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the Bondcast, where we elevate male educators of color and the things that matter to them. This was a production of the Building Our Network of Diversity Project, located in Laurel, Maryland. You can find out more information about Bond at bondeducators.org or on your favorite social media site, including LinkedIn, at Bond Educators. And as always, we appreciate you coming through and we'll save a spot for you for the next time.